the voice in your ears and the face on your screen. I'm Perfect Purvis, and this is American Football in Fidma. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Q Floyd. What's going on? We back. Yep, man. It's good to be back once again on this weekly podcast. Uh, the AFF podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, American Football in Finland is currently available on 25 different platforms. So wherever you listen, be sure to rate us. Anything less than five stars will tell us that you are a hater. This is season five for AFF, and we really appreciate the support we've gotten so far. I look forward to keeping this thing going. So before we even get into the show, Q, how was your weekend, man? Um, my weekend was great. It was full of football. Uh, I definitely enjoyed watching the games. Um, it couldn't get any better, man. It was all right. Yeah, for me, football was good. And Maple League, the whole world was watching. I mean, well, all of Europe mostly and a couple of people in the States, but – it was a good weekend. Um, even out here in Finland, there's a lot of games going on this weekend that, that were really good outside of Maple League. So it's just good to be back in it. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think didn't basketball start like in the NBA start back? Mm-hmm. So just, you know, people getting we getting back to, you know, life as we know it post COVID. So that's good to know. All right, Q, it's that time. What what do you want to get off your chest today? Get it off, off your mind. What what's going on? Let's talk about these Finnish referees. Boy. <laughs> Boy. Oh my goodness. Now, uh, I know they're trying to do the best job they possibly can. Um, but I think they were a little too anxious a few times on these uh pre-touchdown celebrations. Uh for one, I think uh Johannes from on uh, the Roosters, uh he did something smart. He actually was running the clock out. Uh, before he scored the touchdown, um, so that that penalty was that was just crazy. Like it, it, it was, I think the refs just have to pay attention to what's going on in the game. I don't think they were. I think they was trying to say he was time, but um, I didn't take it as that. I think it was smart, uh, something they might not be used to seeing, but it definitely was a smart play. And uh, Sebastian pre-touchdown penalty was just ridiculous. Like uh, he didn't do anything that I thought should have caused that. Um, throwing your hands up, I mean, every receiver in the world does that when they're about to score. He didn't point at the DB or anything. He pointed at the, the crowd or anything. Like, that's that's normal football stuff. People have been waiting a long time um, to actually see some football. These guys, you know, did every, they've done everything possible to try to wait till they get to this moment. So to kind of take those away, and I just think those penalties control the game way too much. Like, yeah. I feel like if you absolutely – if you absolutely know it's taunting the other team, then okay, throw it. But if it's not nothing blatantly taunting, like, you can save that flag. So, um, yeah. besides that, that was, that's all I had. Hey, I'm getting the same thing off my chest, man. Uh, I'm just – we're going to talk about this today, guys. We're going to talk about this. Uh, what Sebastian did – now, that – I would consider that taunting, what he did. But here – my issue isn't even the cause. It's the fact that – at some point, you got to get over yourself. Like, I know here in Finland, especially, people like, we want to go by the rules, want to do all official and da-da-da. This ain't the NFL. This ain't college. Let these people play. They excited to play. There's nothing with malicious intent. Like, it's, it's called an unsportsmanlike penalty, but what is unsportsmanlike about celebrating and being happy and joyful that you're about to score a touchdown? Yes, he should have waited till he crossed the goal line. Blase, blase. But what I find weird about it is we all know that it's about consistency. In this, um, in the Roosters game, I'm, I'm going to go to the Roosters-Steelers game, you had Johannes, he delayed the game. He did what I like to call a Madden move because we do that on Madden. You get a long touchdown and you stay on the one-yard line before you score. He did that. They throw a flag. Now, later in the game, Tino Ndongo catches a pass, doesn't score a touchdown. Immediately after um, catching up a long pass and getting tackled like close to the end zone, but not even close to scoring a touchdown, he gets up, spins the ball on the ground like it's a fighter, and does this little hand thing, which is technically a delay of game because he's holding up the game for his on-field celebration using the game ball to do it. No flag thrown. That's an important play because that's unsportsmanlike. You're slowing down the game 
for self-gratification and trying to give attention to yourself. That is something that needs to be monitored and checked and regulated. That's a selfish act. And Tino's my boy. I, I like Tino. He's a good guy. But that's a selfish act, and you should be penalized for it. But no, we're going to penalize people for scoring touchdowns and not hurting anyone's feeling and actually making the game more exciting. That's where I have an issue with it. And I, one last thing, even away from the celebrations, uh, watching the, the, Roost, the Royals versus Butchers games, why are we not calling hands to the face on defensive players? I've got Roosters <laughs> offensive linemen getting beat up, hands to the face mask from defensive linemen on the, on the Royals right in front of the quarterback, and it's not getting called at all. Now, that's dangerous, and it's a penalty, not getting called. But if Sebastian puts his hands up in the air two yards before he scores a touchdown, we're going to give him a 15-yard yes. penalty and cost the team four points because they didn't score on that drive. They actually ended up taking a field mm-hmm. goal instead of scoring a touchdown. But that's cool, right? No, that's bull, and y'all know it. And that's my thing is get over yourselves, guys. It's football. Be in the best interest of the game, not the best interest of your own personal ideals. Those, mm-hmm. those are different situations that could have went any way. And by, by being inconsistent on improving the game, these referees are showing that they're trying to use power. And that mm-hmm. is never a good thing for a sport. That's bad sportsmanship right there. So that's yeah. all I'm going to say. It's off my chest now and we can move on, but y'all know what it is. Okay, so now we have AFS Player of the Week. We have Offense and Defensive Player of the Week presented by our sponsor and partner, Rayer Athletics. First up, let's do Offense. Offensive Player of the Week, we're going to give it to Jabari Harris. And before we talk about why he, he won this award, just throwing out his stat line, he was 12 for 23 at 142 yards passing with two touchdowns. And then he also had 188 rush yards and two touchdowns with his legs. Those are just the stats, but Q, tell him why this guy was offensive MVP this week. Um, I think Jabari gets offensive MVP this week because he actually was the most, you know, the most valuable player on his team for this game. Um, I think coming into the game, obviously we didn't have the Royals. I mean, not Royals, we didn't have the Butchers uh, coming out winning, uh, which they didn't, but they they had a big lead um, that was blown, but Jabari actually made a lot of plays with his feet, um, with his arm early on in the game. Uh, he gave everything he possibly could in that game. They just didn't have enough to finish it. But um, his his play in that first half, uh, going into the second half, I mean, you, you can't play better than that with what, with what he has. Um, he doesn't have a roster full of big-name people, um, but the guys that he that he does have, they trust him. He trusts them. Uh, he, I mean, he made some great – like, like he made yeah. a great play uh, at one point in the game where he, he dodged a few sacks and then just made an own dime ball on the sideline. His, his receiver caught the ball, got himself together and ran and scored a touchdown. I mean, Barry, he showed out. It was a lot of people that had some big numbers. Um, but for him, well, I think what he did, rushing and throwing the ball, like it, it was nothing better than that. So, to me, he deserved the offense for the week. Yeah, I think he actually led the, the league in rushing last week with almost 200 yards <laughs> rushing. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so just moving on to the defensive side of the ball, uh, on the Thursday night game, we saw probably the best defensive performance by individual player. A lot of good players this week, but the defensive player of the week is going to go to Helsinki Wolverines defensive back, Artu Kettinen, who is, I want to say he's like 19 years old. I'm not sure. He's very, or 18 even. He's very young. Uh, he was thrown into the starting duty because they were missing some of their import um, players in the, in the back end. So R2, he had two and a half tackles, three interceptions, and a fumble recovery. He was making plays. Every time there was a ball in the air, he was around it. And he went out there and he showed why that he is one of the up-and-coming players in the Maple League if he chooses to stay here in Finland um, over the career of his, his time here. He's definitely a kid that last season they had him playing cornerback. He's a safety for the U19 national team. So playing in his natural position in this game, you saw him really just kind of become that player that – the Wolverines need, especially when it comes to like a core finish player. And on that last interception, 
uh, he had to work much harder, even did a little toe tap to make sure he was in bounds. Um, I want to say there was another defender in the area who just didn't want it as bad. Actually, I know who the defender was. Elmery, you didn't want it bad enough, buddy. So R2 went and got it from him. And um, what, what I just really like about what R2 represents for this team is he represents the future. And week one, he showed out. So mm-hmm. we can expect to see R2 Kettenen for the rest of the season, you know, being one of those guys that makes plays for the Wolverines. So congratulations to both of you guys. Um, we've already put it all on the internet when this goes live. We'll have a little something, something for you guys as well from AFF and from our partner sponsors, Rare Athletics. All right, guys. So if you if you missed the games or if you saw the games and weren't able to, you know, keep up with stats and performances or anything like that, that really stood out. We're going to do our inside the numbers right now. Basically, we're just going to tell you some key team stats from this first week of games. And we'll actually start with the Helsinki Wolverines and I'll start it off. Helsinki Wolverines had 354 total yards, 255 passing, 99 rushing. And they scored 10 points off of turnovers. Those are some of the numbers you need to know about them. What about the Crocodiles, Q? Uh, the Shanghai Crocodiles had uh, five first downs to the Wolverines, 19. Uh, 36 total rushing yards, six turnovers, five interceptions, uh, zero points off of turnovers, zero and five on third down conversions, and zero and two for four down conversions. So as you can see, that, that's, that's not good stats at all right there. <laughs> Those are stats they had. Uh, moving on, uh, Quopio Steelers' stats in their game this week, they scored 25 points in the second quarter alone. They outscored the Roosters 18-6 to in the second half, and they failed six extra point opportunities. So just that last part, they pretty much should have had 49 points instead of 43. Mm. And the Helsinki Roosters, uh, which is opposite, uh, they outgained the Steelers uh, they had 483 yard, total yards to the Steelers, 307. They committed five turnovers to the Steelers, three. They allowed 24 points off of turnovers. I'll say that again. They allowed 24 points off of turnovers. Uh, <laughs> that's just something. That's just that's just something you can't do. Um, and being a team that they are, I don't think that's normal for them. So um, that that had a big reason why they probably lost. And another big stat: um, Kari only had eight carries in the first half and five in the second half. And if you watch the game, um, he probably should have had a lot more than that. Yeah. Uh, moving on, the last game of the weekend, the Wausau Royals. In the first half, the team had 81 total yards and seven points. By the end of the game, they had 339 yards, 32 unanswered points, and they only had 35 total passing yards. So it was mostly rushing in the second half that got them back into the win. And uh, Porvo Butchers, uh, in the first half, they have, they were 4-5 or five on third down conversions. In the second half, they were 5-11 on third down conversions and 0-2 in fourth down conversions. All right, in case you missed it, there were some key performances from this weekend as well that might not get the attention that they, they need to get. So we're going to give it to you now. First up, my boy, Tom Suwosti <laughs> balled out. He balled out. As I said, did he would. Uh, Tom Suwosti had 12 carries for 174 yards and one touchdown. He had a 14-and-a-half-yard average per carry. Good job, Tom Suwosti. That's my boy. <laughs> uh, we had V. Monty. He had nine-and-a-half tackles, four tackles for loss. That was a great, great game defensively from him. Yeah, he, he for a safety, he did a lot of behind – like, he made he blitzed and came up and made a lot of tackles behind a lot of scrimmage, and that's crazy. Johannes Johannan, uh led everything receiver-wise when it comes to having nine receptions, 256 yards. I'm going to repeat this. This kid had 256 yards in his first game with the Roosters and one touchdown, and we know it should have been two touchdowns. So, yeah. Uh. Good job, Johan. And uh, Seth Peters, uh, I just think his ability to extend plays um, helped them definitely win this game. And uh, he was seventy three percent on his completions. I mean that that's that's what you that's what kind of games you have to have against a, a good team like the Roosters. 
Yeah. And even talking more to another Steelers player, Tommy K, a.k.a. Tommy Kachoa, because that's how you say his last name, he wasn't even tested. Uh, we, Me and Q actually talked about it throughout the game. Like, they didn't try this kid, and it made sense. He's He took away half the, a side of a field. His stats don't really, you know, show anything, but we saw that this team was avoiding that side of the field that he was on the entire game. And that's partially the reason that their defense was able to make the big plays they need to and get that win. And then next up, we got Alpha Zilla. Uh, he had he, he didn't have a lot of stats offensively, but he had a game-changing punt return. It's 92 yards. Um, that actually turned the game around. Um, it gave him the lead, and then they didn't look back from there. Yep. It was – I'm just going to throw this in. It was, it was poetic because you we were talking about, like, when is he going to do something? And when he does it, I mean, you saw what happened. That was it. It was a wrap after that. But uh, moving on, someone else that had a game-changing play, um, Tino Ndongo. This game he had to play defense more than he played offense. And he got a pick six. He got an interception, took it back 36 yards. And when he did that in his game, I think – I'm not sure if it gave them the lead, but it gave them momentum. When he got, he caught that ball, took it back, everybody was like, oh, no, like the Steelers might like actually pull this off. And now that I remember it, he did give them the lead at that point, but then the, the Roosters scored after that. But that interception, like I was at the game, and when he made the interception, I had this like gut feeling like – oh, no, this is not the Roosters' game. Like, this is not their day. And Tino went out there and made that play. He made plays on offense as well, but that interception was just really big. And if y'all haven't seen if you're just looking at stat lines, you might not see it as, as significant as it was, but it was a game-changing play and probably one of the ones we're going to remember for the rest of the season. And then last up, we got Sebastian saying – Sebastian had a uh, – I mean, a, not a lot of receptions, but uh, he had a few big catches. Um, he had four receptions for 130 yards. Should have been a TD on that, but obviously they they called him for a pre-celebration, um, so it negated the touchdown. But um, he's he's that deep threat for the Wolverines, and, and four receptions, 130 yards. You can see why. Yeah, and these are your uh, top performances that you guys need to know in case you missed it. All right, let's talk about other news outside of the Maple League today. Uh, Division One, uh, Kotka Eagles beat East City Giants 55-14. to Tampa the Saints beat the Rovaniemi Nordman 36-13. And the UNC Crusaders beat the Pori Bears 54-26. to On the Women's Vatra Liga, we had the Helsinki Wolverines beat the Turku Trojans 14-0. And later, we record on Sunday, so <laughs> there's a game today, West Coast Phoenix versus Tampa the Saints. We don't have the scores of that because they haven't played when we record. Sorry. So moving on, outside of Finland, uh, actually, we're going to do this opposite. First off, outside of Finland, this weekend, um, August 8th, Denmark gets their first game of the season, so Finland won't be the only league in Europe playing, so that's awesome. Yeah, but let's get to the real meat of the things. Outside of Finland, the GFL has been canceled. What are your thoughts on that, Q, before I go on a rant? Uh, man, I'm, I'm super disappointed. Um, I don't even know what to think, uh, how, how this could possibly happen. Um, I think it was a lot of uh, – I think this might have been a little more political than it was for safety reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's literally – just because some teams couldn't get their imports, uh, they wouldn't be able to get their imports coming in, so they decided not to play, um, which hurt a lot of the other teams that were ready to play. Um, I know the Munich Cowboys have been the main or one of the main teams that were ready to do whatever all the other teams, you know, they were ready to play. So um, it sucks for teams like that and uh, some of the smaller teams. Um, but I, I just I, – I didn't think this would happen. Um, I, I, I thought – Maybe they would still have some type of season, just like you know Finland and Denmark are trying to do it, trying to do. But for them to cancel their whole season, I just wasn't expecting that. So, um, but I'm not the one you know who makes decisions. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was it was definitely a surprise, and and I mean I guess we just gotta wait to 2021 to see what happens after that. But right now, I didn't 
I didn't expect GFL out of all the being one of the, the premier leagues. I didn't expect them to cancel. Yeah, I I don't I don't want to get too much into it because while you were talking, you reminded me about something else in Europe that's happening. But just with the GFL, what I think sucked is that I feel like no one really gave a like concrete reason for hey this is why and we all agree it's like you hear all these different things of why it didn't happen or why teams aren't playing why the league wanted this and that so it just seems unorganized which is going to let me segue into the AFL the Austrian Football League they were going to play a a four-team season but now they're only going to play a two-team season which doesn't make sense but hey they want to play I'm not mad at that they're trying to figure it out well when the I don't get a whole bunch of reports from the different teams in Austria saying this is why we're not playing and this is going on or players or anything. The league makes a statement and everybody backs it. The league in Austria made a statement that the reason some of the teams pulled out is because they can't afford to be tested as often as they need to be tested. It's almost 30 bucks for each person's test. And they, they would need to test all their players and their staff. So for a team to, to test before a game, you're looking at, you know, 3,000 euros. Almost 3,000 euros every game to test your team and your personnel. That's expensive. So teams said, hey, we can't afford to do that. But that's the only way the league is going to allow teams to play is that if they're safe about the COVID situation. That's all streamlined. It makes sense. And I can respect the decision because it's, it's telling me why. The league told me why. The teams agreed. Like, I don't, there's no team saying, well, you know, really, it's because we didn't want to. No, there's, this is why. And the team's like, yeah, the league is right. We agree with the league. The, in the GFL, we're not getting that. Like, players and teams are saying, man, the league's doing this, the league's doing that. Then the league put out something that says something totally different. So, that's what's upsetting about the GFL situation. And I really – I like the way that the Austrian situ- Austrian Football League went about it. And I think more leagues should look at that. I mean, the testing is extreme, but they because of the situation they're in, they have to do that way. And I'm okay with that as long as, you know, there's that transparency that – I live in Finland, but I know why they're not playing in Austria because everyone was very systematically on the same page. Um, mm-hmm. The GFL, they need to get their shit together. Uh, yeah, I, I've been hearing nothing but bad things about the president, and I'm just like, I, I get that, okay, maybe you might not like him, but that's making it more political. And, you know, we're here, we're trying to see football. No one's really telling us why there's no football. They're saying it's politics, which doesn't make any sense. So just, you know, GFL, get your stuff together so we can move on. Next year, we're trying to have some international games, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to get into, you know, the games from this weekend and just kind of do it a little bit different this year. We're going to kind of focus on who won the game versus who lost the game instead of just saying whatever about the teams. So first game up, let's talk about Helsinki Wolverines defeated the Sinioki Crocodiles. Now, Q, in your opinion, did the Helsinki Wolverines win this game or did the Crocodiles lose this game? I think the Helsinki Wolverines won this game. Um, I, I agree. I agree. I yeah, definitely think they yeah. won it. Uh, yeah. So let, let's get into why they won it then. Uh, what do you think is the reason that helped them win this game or why it was a win and not the other team lost, I guess? Um, because I think overall as a team, um, the Wolverines played better. I think they made uh, the, the plays they needed to make to win the game. And I think they controlled um, for pretty much most of the game, they controlled the outcome. Um, they did have some, some times where some turnovers or uh, just kind of mishaps of plays. Um, but I think for the most part, like they had a – they kind of seen what their team identity was in its first game. So they knew what they could do and what they couldn't do. Um, and even though uh, they didn't get a lot of rushing yards, they kind of stuck with running the ball. Man. I think uh, they went kind of safe in a way. Um, they knew what they were up against, uh, being that Coach Manley coached at the Crocs last year, I think he was a lot more comfortable with what he could and couldn't do. And um, it showed um, pretty much throughout the game. Like, even though at the end of the game, um, the score, what it, 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 it wasn't a crazy score, but at the same time, they left a lot of points on uh, off the board. Um, but the Wolverines did enough um, defensively and offensively um, to win the game. Yeah, I, I think, like, 
like you said, the Wolverines were the better team in this game, and they looked the better part the entire game. There never really was that moment where you're like, oh, the Crocodiles could do No, it was like, how bad will this get? Or if the Wolverines play any better, how, like, this could get out of hand. That's pretty much how it was. I don't think they played a great game by any means, and I think because we know that, they know that, and I think everybody else knows that, it leaves a, a very high ceiling for this team. Because we're talking about a team that scored 31 points, and we easily think they could have been closer to 50 in this game, which even that amount of points is just crazy because this is a league, you know, it's the Big 12 of Europe. Like, you need 30 mm-hmm. points to win. So they had 24 points in the third quarter. And, and for, for me, that's when they start shutting it down and, and slowing it down. What I saw was a team that wanted to win and wanted to make sure that everybody knew it. And once they basically got ahead in this game, they started doing different things to kind of prepare for their team. They got a lot of young people in. Um, even speaking of the young people, the, the DB, R2, Kenton, and his aggressiveness on defense, and even Mickey got an interception playing defense. Like, they were attacking this team, but – I still feel like the way that they did it was – it was never in question that they were the better team. just makes it really easy to say that they won this game. Um, watching that offense, we still think they didn't tap into the, the full potential of that offense. Uh, S- Sebastian had four catches. Those four catches were in the first half of the game. <laughs> he didn't catch any passes in the second half, but he literally was just outrunning defensive backs on the other side of the ball. And he was playing safety half half the game as well. So he's playing two ways and still outrunning guys. So I could just imagine once they get, you know, a full team, they can focus on that offensive group and develop mm-hmm. a little bit more. That, that first week, they looked like a team that, like, has a crazy amount of potential and was kind of getting through the kinks and were still productive in that process by, like, basically beating – the crocodiles soundly. I'm trying not to say a bad like way about it. I'm trying to be nice about how they won the game. Mm. But uh anything else you, you want to say about that game before we move on? No, nah, that's it. Yeah, it's, I mean that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> okay, so next win or loss, uh Quopio Steelers defeated the Helsinki Roosters. Do you think the Steelers won? or the Roosters lost that game. And it, it went back and forth in the game, technically. So, it's going to be interesting to hear what you got to say. Um, now, you, you said, did the Roosters win or lose the game? Or did you say, it, it, what happened? Did the Roosters lose or did the Steelers win? I feel like I, I do, I'll be doing Corpio a disservice if I said uh, they didn't win this game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they did. Yeah. Uh, they came in. Um, got hit in the mouth. Got hit what, in the mouth. 14-0, and, and, I think, early. Yeah, got hit in the mouth and didn't waver at all. Um, mm. This was a determined team, uh, along with the the obviously them having imports. Um, they still got hit in the mouth. They didn't, you know, fall. They showed true heart. Um, it was a great game, I think, in in all aspects of the game. Um, but Corpio did what they needed to do to win the game, and that's that's football. That's 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 adjusting. I think they did well in adjusting. Um, they seen what worked for them, and they went with it, and it eventually uh, and it eventually paid off. Um, it, it was it was good plays and bad plays on both on both teams, um, but I feel like Corpio scoring off of those turnovers uh, was a major major positive for them. Um, that's what you want. I mean, and you got any coach, if you can score off a turnover because it's basically a, a possession that you wasn't supposed to have anyway. So uh, you're talking about 20-something points off of turnovers. Um, you have to win that game. And I think the, um, the Roosters, that's not normal play for the Roosters. But I think when you're playing against them, that's what those are the type of things you have to do. You have to capitalize off turnovers, and they did that. Yeah, I, I agree with you, like, I think the Steelers won this game, and there's a lot that we can say about, well, the Roosters messed up here, the Roosters did this. There's a lot that they might have done to themselves. But the the main constant that I saw in this game was that, okay, Steelers came out, 
what they were doing, it, it wasn't really working. Um, just from what I saw, uh, them trying to kind of get the ball downfield in the passing game, it, they didn't have the, the protection. Seth had to run around a lot. People weren't getting opens. Their receiving core is not the same as it was in the past. So they had to figure out something else. And what I saw from this Steelers team was they're like, okay, we have a good quick game, a quarterback's athletic, and we can run to the outside if we really need to. And they they tired out the Roosters, defensive line. I can't talk about defensive backs, but they were putting together drives. Even though they're losing by two touchdowns early in the game, they put together drives. And I think they kind of demoralized that team. And that's something that – we haven't really seen from the Steelers team in the past is a team that can just, you know, say, Hey, we're going to do what we're going to do. And we're going to keep doing it. Even if it's kind of boring and it's taking us a little while to get there. And then to add to that, they've, they've won, you know, using their own scheme before, but they made all the big plays. And like we've said before, like when you play the Roosters, you have to make big plays. They made them. The Steelers won the game, and you just can't take that from them. Like they, they came in there with a game plan, and I think early in the game, they tried to do things that they thought were going to work, and it didn't. And instead of, you know, 360, making something up, they're like, well, let's just do what else we have. They adjusted. Instead of doing a lot of deeper and long, I guess, long developing plays, they went more to like a quick game and run and run scheme which made the Roosters have to – they couldn't, you know, send all them pass rushers at them. They had to sit there. The linebackers had to sit. They couldn't just go in there blitzing. They had to stop bringing so much pressure, and it allowed the Steelers to do what they were good at. And instead of, you know, at, at the half, they were losing technically, but they, they were gaining steam. Most teams at halftime be like, okay, let's come out with something new. And they're like, no, we're gaining steam. Let's keep doing what we're doing. And that's why they won this game is because they did what the Steelers wanted to do and continued that throughout the game. I think the play calling was really good on their part, but I also think defensively they they did a great job of making plays. Again, going back to, to Tino's interception, when Tino got that interception and took it back for six, the mood changed in that stadium. I'm at the game. When he scored that, they go, the Steelers take the lead in the game for the first time right before the end of the second quarter, and they had just scored a touchdown. They had just drove down and scored a touchdown. So in, like, less than two minutes, they have two scores, and now they're winning. And everybody's like, what's going on? This doesn't happen here. Like, the Roosters have been down before, but it doesn't happen like that with those big plays all of a sudden, and you didn't see it coming. Like, two minutes. Two minutes ago, they were up by two touchdowns. Now they're down by three. That's, like, you can see it. And even though the Roosters eventually got the ball back, drove it down, and scored, you're like, oh, they scored at half, they're winning, but I'm not confident that they're going to, you know, come back. And the Steelers' second half just start putting it on them, just stayed with what they were doing and were very consistent about it. And I really think that that interception was the turning point for them because I think at that point they knew that, hey, things are going to go right for us today where normally they go wrong. And you saw it. The Roosters started dropping passes, um, turning the ball over, making bad plays on fourth, fourth down. Like, things just went bad for them, and it snowballed. But it wasn't because, you know, the Roosters played bad. It was because the Steelers had the juice. They had the juice. And when you got the juice, I mean, you're going to play great. And they did that, and they deserve to be the team that won this game. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think uh, uh, another – just to piggyback off of that, I think another thing is – um, we're so used to seeing the Roosters with imports um, that it was kind of strange to see them in this position of having to depend on uh, the local players. And even though uh, a lot of those, like you know, Alex Alex Wasser Jeff, like he is a like he is a perfect slot receiver, seam receiver, um, because of his speed, it's hard to match up there. I think Nico took advantage of of their safety. I think he I think he knew what he wanted to do. Maybe they didn't connect as much as he, he thought they could. Um, I want to just jump in here about this. Yeah. I was actually yeah. tallying them, and I might have lost count, but I know for a fact that the Roosters scored three touchdowns off of C routes. Just one high safety. Johanna scored one, scored two, and 
who also just scored one because the safety was getting manipulated by Miro, throwing the seams. And one thing that was kind of stood out in this game too is they didn't they didn't keep doing that. Like mm. they didn't throw that seam concept a lot, but when they did, it almost worked every time. So that yeah. just want to throw that out there. I saw that and everybody should have saw that. And I'm really confused on why they didn't continue that in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. You, you like you said, it should have been more. Um, the other thing was was Kari not getting carries. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kari Kari was gashing. He was gashing them. And uh I think a- he should have average seven yards a carry. Yeah, like I think he should at least Kari should have came out of the game with at least twenty five carries. At least twenty five. Uh, you, it's not a full season, so it, it, there is no saving him. Um, because if 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 you can if you can win running the ball, why not do it? You know what I mean? Like why not do it? And I think I think they went away from that because of the situation of what was going on in the game. So they went away from giving Kari the ball that much. Um, the second thing, uh, I don't think Kari should have been back on kick return um, because he is your only running back you're only really running back I don't think he should have been back there I think they have other skill guys um even even VLA the safety I think he could have been back there returning um but then again you know that's that was a decision made but I just think Kari should have got the ball a, little, a, little, a lot more and uh yeah the, the turnovers um the, the the defense giving up 24 points over turnovers man you just you just can't do that, you know. Um, I mean, you said I it earlier. The Roosters outscored – they out-yardage the Steelers. Yeah, so. every stat, majority of the Roosters led in in, in majority of those stats. So, when you look at it in that aspect, you think the Roosters probably won this game when you look at the, the yards and, and, the, and the other stats. But then when you come down to the to the mechanics of it, uh, Seth and, and, and the his ability to move around in the pocket and, and continue to get plays on third down and fourth down and convert that that's what ultimately led them to winning that game. And then once they, you know, went up, uh, then, then kind of just was a little bit over from there, but the roosters kept fighting. I think we're starting to see a young, um, future roosters team. You know what I mean? They got a lot of young guys that's coming up now. A lot of guys getting to play now, um, along with some of their other veterans, but this is kind of what you go through. Uh, also when you commit to, going nationally and just having local players on um, you don't you miss those exciting plays uh from those Americans so I think um, what's what's crazy is that I mean like you said without having the imports and this is what everybody's gonna say is that you know well if they would have had imports et cetera, et cetera. I'm sorry but I don't remember anybody else ever catching for 250 yards Johannes Johanan is a finished player, and he is a, a like I said, MVP candidate type of player, and he proved it in this game, but he also had situations. He dropped about four first down passes. His intermediate crosser routes, he dropped a lot of those balls. I think that's a lot to do with his um, just his com- his being comfortable with Miro, like just, you know, not being in that system, not catching that many passes in that way. But when he went and got those deep balls, it was easy for him. It kind of reminded him of when he was in Corpio. That's when he caught a lot of deep balls. But with him dropping a couple of passes and he even had a fumble that was a turnover that probably cost him points in that game as well, those situations, people are going to say, well, you know, an American would not have done that. I disagree. I really think that in this game – they showed that they're a team, the Roosters, I'm talking to Roosters now, showed that they're a team that could be better and they're going to need the season to get better while the Steelers don't need the season because they're still missing about four or five players that didn't play in that game. They had Tino playing defense. So we're looking at two teams who I still believe could be in the Maple Bowl, but we're looking at them going two different directions. And yeah. Again, the Steelers deserve to win this game. They were the better team. They played better throughout. They made great big plays they normally don't make. But I'm not sleeping on the Roosters. I'm just saying I'm not sleeping on yeah, the Roosters. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't you can't count them out. You can't count yeah. them out because of, of who they are actually. Um I think they will come back this next game and I think they will play more like the Roosters that we're used to. Um they don't they they, they don't lose much. You know what yeah. I mean? So that that feeling of, of, of taking L's isn't normal to them. So I know Nico and I know you how they'll come back this next week and they'll push those guys to to be better. I know Victor, um, the D line coach, I can guarantee you that these guys won't 
they won't get gassed again. Yeah. I can guarantee you he'll shape, make though. sure to that. Yeah, so um, yeah, I think I think both these teams are, are going in different directions. They're at a certain point now, but I think it's possible that we will see them again uh, down the line, though. <laughs> All right, so win or loss, let's do it. Wassa Royals defeated the Portville Butchers. Now, did the Royals win it or did the Butchers lose it? I think this is kind of easy. <laughs> so what do you say? <laughs> uh, the Butchers lost this game. Yeah. Um, the Butchers lost this game. They had a lead 28-7, um, which was surprising to everybody that wasn't probably a Butchers fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, didn't, we didn't expect much from the Butchers because of what their roster, um, the depth. But they came out and they surprised everybody. Jabari was having a great game. Um, you know, they, they, they kept it conservative. They didn't take many chances down the field. Um, it was just more intermediate stuff than Jabari, you know, using his legs. Um, but when you go up 28-7 to um, against most teams, that's usually a dagger. The only thing about that is it's first half. Mm. Um, and you still have a whole nother half to maintain that lead, which is even harder. So it's easy to go up, but it's harder to, to, to keep it the same way, the intensity the same way. And um, they gave the Royals the opportunity to come back in that game. And once they got momentum, it, it was it was hard to stop it. So um, the Butchers definitely lost this game. I hope it doesn't kill their confidence um, because they they really do they, – they look promising in the future. I won't say that they can stand toe-to-toe with all the rest of these teams, um, but if you could come out and, and play how they played in the first half uh, throughout that game, throughout these games, even with not having a lot of talent, uh, you still can make some stuff happen. And um, – I think I think the Butchers should keep their heads up. I mean, the Royals are uh, used to be a you know they're always a playoff contender team. So even for them to go up twenty eight seven on them, should they should look at that as like, all right, this is what we're capable of. And next next time, let's make sure that we don't do this. Let's make sure we keep doing this. So now this is a learning game for the Butchers. So now they can see like, hey, we can be better. Let's be better. Um, look what we just. Did to this team. I mean, the Royals are the Royals, man. You, you know, like the, at the end of the day, yeah. they're they're a, they're a well seasoned team as a core. So um, they were supposed to uh, come back in their eyes. They weren't even supposed to be down. So and they showed why they you know always you know fight. So um, the Butchers definitely lost the game though, and uh, it, it was it was it was bad. But I think out of all the games this weekend, this was that was the best game. Yeah, it. I think. I mean, the Butchers lost. But I think they lost based on on philosophy. And even though they were winning twenty eight to seven in this game, they weren't playing to win. They were playing not to lose. And that always gets you beat in football. Like we know this. Like if you get a lead, they change the play calling. They're not being aggressive. They're not trying to like push the ball. Now they're just trying to, you know, nurse the lead, milk the clock. And now your basic run game isn't working. The screens, they they only threw screens to Miko, like very predictable play call in the second half because what worked in the first half, maybe it works in the second half, maybe it doesn't. A lot of what worked for them early in the game was Jabari created on his own, which it wasn't the actual plays. It wasn't the play calling working. It was him creating on his own and making something happen. It wasn't sustainable for four quarters. They, in the first half, I'm I'm not 100% right, but they didn't have any three and outs. Even if they ended up punting, they at least had a first down before they did it. In the second half, a lot of three and outs, a lot of series where if they throw a pass, it's incomplete, and they run the ball, they don't gain the yards, nice third and long, which is what the Royals want. They want this team to pass because, as you can see, they weren't very good at it. And not to knock anybody on the team, but the scheme wasn't built for them to be able to pass on third and long. But it also is based around Jabari's athleticism, which I don't care how athletic he is. He had 200 yards rushing. Like, he actually had 200 and then got sacked and lost some of them in the fourth quarter because he started taking sacks in the fourth quarter because he looked like he was tired, which that's no anything against his stamina or anything. He played a hell of a game, but you have to find ways to – supplement and compliment him at that quarterback position because running from the quarterback position is tiring. It's, I, I don't say this lightly, but it could be more tiring than running from the running back position because you have to deal with the ball every play. 
that's going to take something away from you. He could never just throw it to somebody and be like, okay, now I can rest for a couple seconds while they run. He had to run to throw. Like, he never sat in the pocket, made a throw, and someone caught the ball. Like, a few times he made some short throws when you, normally his receivers weren't open. So he had to run. His offensive line, they did – they played a lot better than I thought they would, but they couldn't hold all day. They couldn't hold a lot of times when there was pressure part. So this team has to find a way. And like you said, they looked promising. But like we said with our interview, it was boring in the first half. And I guess that's kind of what they would want. But you can't you can't sustain that based off of, okay, Jabari's going to make everything happen for four quarters. That's never going to work out. There's no team that has been successful doing that, and they showed why. You have to have something else. The biggest reason I think they lost is because this team did not – they did not find effective ways to use Miko Seppinen. He is a talent. Do not waste him running routes where he's the only person I'm going to be watching in the first place. Do not have him doing jet scrape, jet motion, jet sweeps when we know that he's the only person that's going to get it if he does. Like, all I do is stop him and then stop Jabbar. Like, that's it. There's two people. But if you're going to give him the ball, find ways to do it. Don't be so predictable that, okay, he runs a slant. It's the screenplay. Oh, my God, we stopped it eight times. They still kept running. Like, that type of stuff, I feel like the butchers have to – you can't play not to lose. And even in this season of all seasons, throw the kitchen sink in there, man. Be creative. Do something different. Like, there's ways that this team can be successful, and they showed in the first half that they could be based off of Jabari's athleticism. But they have to prove something else, especially going forward. But that's why they lost this game. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to keep harping on it, but you're going to have to use more than Jabari to win. That's it. All right, we're here with Helsinki Wolverines head coach, Michael Madeline. Coach Madeline, welcome back to the podcast, man. Thanks for having me. It was a uh, good week, week one in the Maple League all around. So getting ready for week two, I'm excited. Yeah, man, we're going we're to start off, ask you a couple questions about this last game. You guys hosted the uh, Senior Crocodiles and got the W. Q, what was something you wanted to ask coach? Uh, my question was, uh, what was one thing that you noticed about your team um, after this game that you didn't see maybe before the game? I would definitely say our, our, front, our front five, and you could say front seven on defense on both sides. The offensive line, I think, probably shocked a little bit of people. I mean, the Crocodiles have some pretty good linebackers and some decent defensive linemen. We didn't really run the ball as well as we wanted to, but, I mean, we had about 40 carries, so we tried. Um, and pass pro was pretty well. I know it seemed like Chris was scrambling a lot more by pressure, but that's just the type of quarterback that he is. And our front seven on defense, you know, holding Mr. Powell to 32 yards was uh, very, very impressive, especially with two or three rookies out there. You know, Willie Limforce kind of just popping here and in and out from the Army and stuff. And so it's and missing our two Swedes and a few other guys. We It was a pretty nice to see and pretty big time from the defensive side of the ball in the front front five and seven on each side, offense and defense. Mm. Yeah, uh, Coach, something I was going to ask you about that that first game was we saw um, – and we actually talked about this earlier. We saw the the Sebastian Sané um, the <laughs> touchdown that wasn't a touchdown because of celebration, yeah. things like that. What are, what are your thoughts on that, like that whole situation? Just I just want to – Understand where your thought process is on that. Well, I'm okay. I'm okay with the guy celebrating post touchdown, but the call, I thought, I mean, um, hopefully this doesn't get me in trouble. I did think it was a tad bit weak. I know he did point at the sideline, um, which I guess was the number one and only issue, not the ball pointing or anything else. But even though it was our fans there, and he was kind of at the 10, five yard line, it was still the crocodile sideline which was counted as taunting. They took it back. So, you know, we had a brief chat. Sanye knows, you know, he knows that he shouldn't have done it, but uh, I'm cool with all celebrations post-touchdown. So hopefully, you know, in the future, once we get across the goal line, the guys can have a little time to shine and we can put seven on the board instead of three. So that would be a little better for us. Okay, Coach. Uh, we're not going to dwell on the pass because even when yeah. this podcast comes out, we're going to the next week. Uh, <laughs> you guys got the Royals, and we, we saw 
a lot from the Royals in the second half of their last game. Uh, what are some things you think you and your team are going to try to, you know, get established against this Royals team coming up this week? Yeah, on offense, I mean, we feel we can kind of, you know, continue to do what we've been doing. We didn't show a whole lot in game one. Our play sheet was pretty limited. Um, so we'll add a few more things. We'll keep it in the air, of course, with our main guys. And, you know, we want to test their DBs a little bit. But the running game, we got to figure out someone at running back. The offensive line did well, but we have to find that guy that can kind of really get, make us, you know, a little more two-dimensional um, than just straight in the air. And defensively, we I think we all know, every team knows what's coming. They're big up front. They're powerful. Um, with Suosti and Barrow, they like to pound the rock. And obviously, uh, Nico Peterson's a pretty good player, but, you know, they have the, the man back, Alfa Yalo, who – I had recruited to Ingolstadt with me this year in the GFL, so and I'm well aware of his talents from last season. So <laughs> I think we know pretty much what, what we're getting ourselves into and what we need to stop. It's just will we be able to. But I think uh, Coach Jan Bielko will have a good plan again on defense, and hopefully we can uh, you know, shut him down and keep the victories coming our way. Q, you got something for him? Um, yeah, I was going to say um, about Alpha. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why people uh, kick Alpha the ball, but will you kick him the ball at any point in this game? No, no, not one time. <laughs> not one time. Not <laughs> one time. I know last year, last year we kicked it to the 40 and they even caught it and would run backwards and pitch him the ball. So I got to find a way to make sure that doesn't happen and make sure on special teams he does not get the ball. I know he had that one, uh, you know, kind of fluky drop last week or yesterday you could say which I know won't happen again but then the next one I think we all saw it was 92 yards or whatever to the house and easy going so we'll try to keep it away from him as much as possible on K on KOR and punt return so that's definitely a 100 <laughs> percent all right it's smart move but yeah that's it that's all I have Hey, Coach. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. Like I said, we try to keep it short this year. Uh, good luck to you guys. Well, first of all, congratulations on last week, and good luck to you guys this week. Uh, good luck, Coach. Can awesome. See you Thank you, guys. Yeah, it should be a good game Friday. Thanks a lot for having me. All right, we're here with Wasser Royals wide receiver, Alpha Jallo. Alpha, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you on. Uh, you guys uh, probably had the most exciting game of the week on Saturday, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you. A lot of ups and downs, but we finished it. Yeah, we're just going to ask you a couple questions about that game before we start looking on to the, the upcoming game. Uh, Q, what did you have for that, man? Um, In the game, uh, you didn't get a lot of receiving um, uh catches or whatever, but uh, everybody knows your presence on the field. Uh, you have to pay attention to you. Um, why do you feel like people take the chances of kicking you the ball on, on returns, though? Uh, I asked uh, Miko, I, I talked to Miko after the game, and he was like, man, I don't know why I kicked it to you, because I didn't <laughs> think that they would, because I know last year we played against them, they were just pooching it, and the one just bounced right towards me, and I was like, man, I got to take a shot. I missed one. So, how to do is best for the team. Yeah, that's craziness. My my question is: in this game, you guys were you were down twenty eight to seven. What was it like on the sidelines in the huddles when you guys were down by three touchdowns and it looked like you weren't really going to get anything going? So, what was it like on the Royal sideline during that? I mean, honestly, we. Did stay positive. I didn't. I didn't see too many people going, putting their heads down, and things like that. We just knew that we could execute because we knew we came in with a very, very simple game plan that we wanted to utilize. And just small things weren't going our way. Then the stuff like me dropping a punt, or you know, a couple pass plays, and a little bit of poor officiation. Uh, just didn't go away, and we just knew that we had to turn it around, and we knew that if we stop them on offense, we can just do the simple stuff and be explosive and be that team that we know that we should be. So we just kept that in mind, and the coaches, they were encouraging us, and it happens to play out the way that we wanted to. You have another question for him, Q? Yeah, um, 
we see that you got, you know, Coach John Booker and uh, Coach Stacy. Stacy's obviously been around Finland for a long time, pretty much as long as I was around uh, Finnish football. But having those type of coaches uh, on the roster, uh, how, how does that make you feel? I mean, I know you played in some other countries, but having those type of American coaches on the sideline, does it bring or does it make you feel like more at home uh, when you yeah. have coaches on the sideline like that? Mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, I'll say two things, I guess. You know, you know, having, you know, Stacy around, you know, he brings that excitement, bring the encouragement that you would get uh, just the same way that you would have if you was in America and he, you know, has a high standard for the guys. He treat them the same way if, if a guy is uh, not playing his best and he's a starter, he'll he put somebody else in. If it's an import that's not doing it, getting it done, he'll put that finished guy back in and, uh, I mean, we appreciate that. Then going towards offense, you know, Booker, you know, he has a lot of – he knows how to keep things simple too. So he does a good job of just breaking it down and making it – making you not think as much. So, uh, I mean, it's good to have them both around because, you know, it brings the American feel and it shows the guys the uh, American influence that they should have and should influence uh, their character on the field. Gotcha. Yep, so that's enough of that whole what happened last week. You know, it's over. We're moving on. We're quick moving out here in Finland. Next week, y'all got the Helsinki Wolverines. They just beat a, a very bad team, but they looked good. They looked really good pretty much most of the game. You guys look good in the second half of your game. What are you What are you most excited about in this matchup? What, what do you think is something that's going to be exciting for the fans, even for the players to see between these two teams? I mean, I'm excited to compete. You know, they did – I wouldn't say that the, the Crocodiles are a bad team. I think they just I, – I, I, I'll leave you to that. I'll leave you to that. I'll just leave that. <laughs> but the Wolverines on paper, I think they are on paper the best team uh, in Finland. Uh, but – so I'm excited to compete against them. You know, we got uh, – our guys begin prepared, and we know that we left a lot of uh, eggs on the field, and we're going to do our best to – you know, uh, clean up our mistakes and compete. So, I mean, with that being said, I mean, the best thing that I think we got going for us is that, nah, I mean, I was about to say something different, but I mean, I think the best thing we got going for us is that we're going to just clean up our mistakes and we're going to compete. You know, we're going to show that that first half is not us mm-hmm. and we're going to play like that second half team that everyone saw. Because I know you said you fell asleep on the first half. and. That's oh, not, man. Not, okay. Yeah, he called me. I, I, I fell asleep on the first half. I did. Like, right before the end of the second quarter, I fell asleep. Next thing I knew, it was halftime. And I was like, whew, good. It was getting <laughs> boring. It was getting boring. But, yeah, we definitely hope to see that second half team more often, especially this week. Q, did you have something for them? Um, will you be playing a lot more defense this, uh, this weekend? Um, because, obviously, uh, the Wolverines have – one of the fastest uh, receivers in Europe on their team, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm pretty Who's sure. Who's that? Uh, Sebastian. <laughs> I I want to throw this out who? there. I wa- Who's that? Wow. Okay. I want I want to throw this out there. Sebastian is fast, but Cedric Johnson is also fast. Like, I feel like yeah. people sleep on Cedric because he's not really, like, on the internet and stuff, and you don't see him a lot. But he's fast as hell. And then you got Sebastian, who's probably just as fast and a little bit taller, a little bit bigger of a receiver. But both of them on the outside is a lot of speed, a lot yeah. of speed going on on both sides. And that was, that was my point. That was my point. Like, you're, like they're going to need your speed on defense. So uh, will, are you planning on playing a lot more defense um, against them? Yeah. I mean, Stacey is going to come up with a good plan with whoever's on the field. Uh, if, he, if he does decide, you know, to throw that in, because we're working on the game plan. I mean, they are working on the game plan. So if they do decide to put me in there, I mean, I'll do his best. Yeah, Sebastian, he's a good athlete. Uh, Cedric's a great athlete. And even, I don't know, Force looks like the fastest guy on the field on their offense, to be honest. But, uh, you know, if they decide to put me in the field, you know, I'll do his best for the team. Uh, but right now, I think, you know, we just got to be explosive on offense and hold them to a few stops. And I think we'd be victorious, I guess so, honestly. All right. Well, that, that's all we got for you uh, this week, uh, Alpha. We appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. And and wish – well, congratulations for last week. And we wish you guys the best luck this week going up against the Wolverines. 
Don't sleep us on. Don't sleep on us anymore. Oh yeah. Oh, oh I, we picked all the win. Did we, we, everybody picked, <laughs> we, all, we all picked game. all the win. We all picked oh, all the win. Hey, hey, much love. We appreciate y'all. Hey, hey. First of all, all the the, the Royals out there. Hey, I'm the only person that picked y'all to make the playoffs. Just saying, oh, yeah, yeah. perfect purpose picked you in the playoffs. So make me right, but, bro. But make we, me right. But when we picked, when we picked, we didn't know he signed. Yeah, like, we didn't know. If, yeah. if you would have, if you would have <laughs> been on the roster, then then I would have already been like, yeah, I put them at third or fourth. You know what I mean? But we didn't know you signed, so uh, I knew Shepo was gonna come out with some some sneaky at the end, though. And we, yeah, I, we, that, I, I, I know why I called it. I called it though. Yeah, like, you did. You did. I called that he was probably going to sign you. I was like, nobody signed Alpha yet. I know somebody got to. So uh, I was right. But, yeah, it was, you know, yeah. we watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just prove me right. Y'all just keep playing good. That's what we need. I, I promise you we will. Okay. So week two is coming up. Uh, we saw a lot of different things in week one. So what are some of the questions that we need answered by these teams going into their week two matchups? Q, we'll start with you and first team up, Helsinki Roosters. What do you, what do they need to do in, in week two's game? Um, I think the Roosters, uh, the question that, that they need to answer is, uh, are they going to bounce back from this tough loss? Are they going to come out and be, uh, you know, take care, take better care of the ball? Um, is the defense going to be able to end these drives like they're used to ending? Um, Corpio had a lot of strong drives, and uh, the Roosters' defense isn't built for long drives. I mean, let's mm-hmm. be honest. Like, they're, they're a three-and-out defense, and that's what they're used to. That's what they want. Um, but, you know, I think that's the most important thing is just can they, can they bounce back from this loss, and uh, can, they, can they go back to the, the Rooster football that, I, that the culture has created? And uh, I think they'll be okay, but – they still have to answer that in this next game against the Crocodiles. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to skip them and just go straight to the Crocodiles who they're playing. And the question that they're going to need to answer is, can they compete in the Maple League? Because the team and the way that they played last week, it I mean, I'm not going to say it was embarrassing. I mean, personally, I would have took it as embarrassment, but they had their reasons for the way that that's how they played. But in this game against the Roosters, I mean, the Roosters are not going to take them lightly. So they're going to have to come out there and compete like a Maple League team. Or will they fold? This is the same organization. They've given up 80 points to the Roosters in the past. If we remember that game, I was on vacation. But still, can you compete? Can you go in there and make this team respect you? That's something that the Crocodiles are definitely going to have to do this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the Helsinki Wolverines? What's the question you got for them going into this week? Um, the question of Wolverines, can, can they consistently put up these type of points? Um, and can their defense stop teams from scoring? Um, obviously, we didn't see uh, Crocodiles offense that, that – like nobody else's offense is going to be ran like the Crocodiles ran theirs. So uh, what, can the Wolverines stand the test of time with these other teams like the Corpio Steelers, like um, – the Butchers, uh, Royals, that actually have uh, a way to get their best players the ball. Right now, the Crocs don't have that ability to get their best players the ball. Um, so uh, the Wolverines, I think the main question is, is, is their defense going to be able to stop other teams' offenses? Uh, we know that the Wolverines' offense can score, but your defense is going to have to be able to stop people. So I think that's an important question for them. Yeah, and going against the the Royals, the question I'm going to ask the Royals is, which team are we going to see? Are we going to see the first half Royals or are we going to see the second half Royals? Obviously, we want to see the second half, but if you don't start fast against the Wolverines, that might be the end of it. They're not the Butchers. They can score and consistently score if they have to. Um, When you come out, are you going to hit them in their mouth? This is the Big 12. It's an offensive league. You're going to need to have those 30 points, but you're going to need to have them early. You can't put them all in the second half. It's not going to happen against a team like the Wolverines. So are we going to see the first half or second half Royals going into week two? That's what I want to know from them. What about the Porvo Butchers going against the Steelers? What do you got for them? Um, I think the question for Porvo Butchers are, uh, are you going to show up in the second half? Um, are you going to continue to uh, – do what you did starting this first game in the first half, being able to put up 28 points. Are you going to be able to do that uh, 
in the in the second half against a good team. You're going against probably the right now the best team um, in the league right now. Uh, so and and with their added imports, so they didn't they didn't play their last game with all the imports. So uh, are the butchers going to add people? Uh, are you are, are they okay with going what they got? So it's kind of like uh, my question. My main question for the butchers is what are you, what are you looking to get out of this season? Is it just we want to get our guys some experience? Uh, we want to get you know we want a lot of these guys to just get more playing time to get used to it and then we'll we'll develop over the year. Um, so that's the question. What what do you want out of this season? I I'm gonna go towards the Steelers. Um, I guess, and it's hard to have a question for a team that played probably the best. No, I don't think they played the best game, but they probably had the best quality win of them all. Uh, for the Steelers, can you be better? Uh, that's a weird way to to say it. Can you be better after you just beat the Roosters? But I saw a team that played good, but as we said earlier, if you take away those, like, big plays and, and game momentum shifting and turnovers by the Roosters. No offense, a lot of those was unforced errors. This team was playing average at best, and they were very one-dimensional in the fact that their offense was five yards from line of scrimmage. It was based around that. You, they didn't have a lot of downfield shots or even big plays that look like, okay, they can sustain it. It's one thing that I think that going against this Butchers team, they're going to try to figure that out. Can we not just pass the ball short and rely on the run game and let Seth move around? Can we sit in the pocket? Can Seth sit in the pocket? Can, can we not have him run around for once so that he can actually make it to the end of the season without blowing out a knee like he normally does because he's running for his life? Uh, that's what I want to see them do. Can they get better? Because they're going to need to get better to progress through this season. And those are the tough questions. And I, what I tell you, they tough. Those tough, tough. <laughs> Okay, so Maple League play continues on Thursday with the Roosters at the Crocodiles, and then Wolverines versus the Royals on Friday, and it finishes with the Butchers hosting the Steelers on Saturday. Um, our panel of football experts will pick winners for the this week's game on our Instagram account, at American Football in Finland. Uh, feel free to find us in the comments with your thoughts. After last week, just a little score update. Perfect Purvis is winning. I'm 3-0 and after last week. Clean sweep. Uh, Coach Q is in second. You're 2-1, my good man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Tuomas Hekkinen is 1-2. and two, And Finland Swami is also 1-2. So, yeah, I think I'm going to win it this year. I, I feel confident. <laughs> after, after week one, I feel like I got what it takes. Um Last year, <laughs> last year, every time I was wrong, people was in my inbox. This week, I'm three and zero. Nobody sent me no messages. I don't get a congratulations, a good job. Right now. Oh, you yeah. saw something that nobody else. Saw. No, I don't get none of that. Let me be wrong this week. Let me be wrong. I know y'all don't see me in the comments. That's fine. I'll be. I'll be waiting. All right, that's it for American Football in Finland. Hope it was worth the listen and the watch. Uh, Q, any last words before we get out of here, man? No, just uh, good luck to all the teams that's uh, that's competing this week, and uh, we'll be watching. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate us five stars as well. Anything less tells us that you are a hater. You can follow us on the gram and Facebook at American Football in Finland. Until next time, never forget T I F. And we out of here. Out of here. Ooh, man.